To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Are you trying to get crazy with this thing? Don't you know I'm local? Jay here, positivesarcasm.com. Find me on Twitter at POS Sarcasm. Find me at Minds, Minds.com. You can also download the app uh, at, at Positive Sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. Instagram, Instagram, at Positive underscore Sarcasm. Uh, you can find me, if you want to live stream me every week, I'm on Twitch around 4.30 every Wednesday. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Positive Sarcasm 1. I'm starting to get the hang of it. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still throwing punches, taking a lot of hits. Uh, yeah, I'm still doing it. How am I? I'm surprised. I haven't run out of things to talk about. Well, maybe that's because there's 4 million movies and there's 4 million things going on. And there's 4 million topics I'm trying to dive into. And none of them so far are really that political. Although there are some that are pseudo-political or maybe not political, but more cultural that I try to dive into every once in a while. My name is Jay, by the way. I am the owner, the founder, the creator, and the main collaborator on PositiveSarcasm.com. Been running since 2014. The initial name came from 2013 when I was working with Our City Radio, which is now defunct. Took the name, took my articles, ran away from Our City Radio, and built my own website <coughs> within a couple of hours. And five years later, here I am drinking Cafe Bustello with hemp oil. Mm. Trying to watch my weight. Watch myself get fatter. Shout out today to uh, Ryan Healy, owner and uh, owner and whatever, caterer, creator, founder, owner and operator of a small business called Golden Standard Spray Tans. Hooked me up with a lovely, can't believe I'm dumb. I'm doing commercials now. Look at me. You're a dork. So yeah, you can find her. You can go to Golden Standard Spray Tan. Golden Standard. Golden Standard Spray Tan. Dot com. It's nice. She gave me this nice little baggie with uh, with this uh, perfect glow, gradual tanner. This was, of course, when I went there last night to actually get a real uh, real tan. Uh, nice. I have a nice Palm Beach, nice shade of Palm Beach on right now. Actually, it's more like a shade of Cancun. I uh, I look like a piece of uh, that uh, that marble rye bread right now. Um, b- you know, from my what do you call that? What's Joe Rogan call it? His my dick root to my belly button. There's that equator line. None shall pass. Yeah, that's like legit. I do. I look like one of those pieces of like you know bul- uh, bulky roll that you get at like the Hannaford's uh, Hannaford supermarket. Um, r- around round here, and of course uh, the cutoff line also in my upper thigh. Um. In order for me to uh, do it, um, she was uh, testing it out. She said I owed her one. Well, not owed her one. I, well, I guess I owe her one. Um, no, she offered me a free one because we're going to be doing some commercial work later on in the year. Uh, and I said, hey, I'll, uh, it's an open invite. Whenever you want me to come down, I'll be more than happy to, to do it and all that stuff. I'm not – I ain't scared. I mean, I spent, you know, I spent several years in, you know, competitive fitness. So getting, you know, spray tanned or tan put on me is no big deal to me. It really isn't. No issue. I mean, is this one of the best tans I've ever got? This is actually the top two. Between uh, doing my own for the 2016 Excalibur, NPC Excalibur in South Carolina, that was one of them. And this one getting a spray tan from Golden Standard was actually 
quite nice experience. The room was nice and warm. You walk in and there is like, you know, it looks like a normal office, but then you walk into the actual room and there's like, you know, there's like uh, Gregory Allen Azikoff, uh playing and it's nice and warm in there and there's a fireplace with like feng shui pillows with like, you know, when you see it in like the this, the, the, the J.C. Panties or the Macy's commercial where the throw blanket is literally just thrown nonchalantly over the t- over the chair as if it's designed to be like that. Um, you know what? I don't know why they do it. It's a throw pillow. We just throw it. Nobody throws a fucking throw over a chair and just leaves it. I don't get why you do that. You Any person with a sense of organization would go mad just be like, I just throw it over the chair. No, you fold it up and you put it on the arm of the chair over the top of the chair. You don't just throw a throw. If you don't know what a throw blanket is, a throw blanket is basically like a... Um, I think it's a, it's basically a smaller blanket that you either have it over your whole body, but your feet are exposed, or it's over your feet and then your chest and your head are explode are ex- explode are exposed. That's what a throw is. But even though she has the th- the throw like thrown over the top of the balc uh, over the chair, I was like that needs to be fixed. I walked in immediately. I'm like that needs to be fixed. I'm like it was really nice in here, but that throw blanket was pissing me off. Something, and I almost changed it, but I'm like wait a minute. This isn't my business. This isn't my office. Let's just go ahead and just leave it right there. But it was right next to this. It was right next to this beautiful fireplace. It was nice and warm, so my dick wouldn't turtle. And um, I had all my cameras going. I haven't edited any of the footage. I don't know if I, but I have it. Um, so everything was running. I had one of the cameras in me with me in the booth. Uh, it's got a little bit of tanner on there. Um, yeah, you have some trepidation when you go into these things in the beginning, but for the most part, no, she was great. She was super gentle, super gentle. Um, I didn't have to, I didn't have to show her my, my gentleman sausage or, um, you know, my, you know, anything like that. I mean, if she told me to, I'd probably do it. I mean, cause you know, just because if she said do it, I'd be like, okay. And you know, and then that's the end of that. But you know, came prepared. I was all nice and pale for her. Like she requested and uh it i'm i'm very happy with it so if you i mean if you're in if in if you're if you're in the neighborhood how to get to sesame street yeah uh, yeah if you want to do that you can check out goldenstandardspraytan.com but she got me this uh gradual tanner too that i'm supposed to use while i just got the spray tan mm cafe bustello today um perfect glow sunless perfect glow by melissa weinberg I hate that first name, but I love the tan. For all skin tones, use daily to build a gradual tan. Streak-free, paraben-free. Perfectglowsunless.com is the website for that. Uh, Directions. Apply evenly to clean, exfoliated skin. Apply light tone once a day and dark tones up to twice daily until desired color is achieved. If you want to go blackface, it doesn't say that. Um, So, yeah. Cool. So I got that because you realize when you, um, I do, I'm a, I'm a body butter or a, you know, I love to look, you know, a couple shades, you know, I like to have a nice glow to me. If you didn't already figure that out. Um, I do. I always like to have a little bit of a little glow on me. And right now I'm using Jergens, but, and I like Jergens, um, even though I can't reach my back, but in Ryan's words, Jergens is like bottom of the barrel shit. But even though, even so, did I spill some coffee on me? Even so, Jergens is still like 
if you're just buying it without a coupon, it's still like eight, nine bucks a week because you're going to use it. If you use it like five days a week, you know, seven or whatever, and you want to actually get a good tan, you know, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Um, yeah, you're going to go through most of it within like five to seven days. So it's going to cost you about eight, nine bucks a week. So eight, nine bucks a week times that by four. Uh, yeah, it can cost you. It's a good chunk of change. So I'm just trying to weigh the pros and cons of whether or not like a spray tan with this gradual tanner is better. Is this one going to be better for long term? Like if I use it five days a week, am I going to have more left at the end of the day? So just trying to weigh those options because I am all about those, you know, a couple extra dollars here, a couple extra dollars there. Like I've spoken to you guys before, um, which you probably were listening. So I could definitely repeat the same pod, pod, podcast from last time. But a couple dollars here and a couple dollars there makes all the sense in the world. So if this is as co- if this is cost effective, as cost effective, doesn't cost me more, and I'm supporting a local business, I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. It, I have no issue with that whatsoever. It, and it was it. It was free. You know, I didn't know if she's gonna have more people there or whatever. You know, boom, seven o'clock. I was out the door. I was like, nope, get out. You're done. Um, I got there around six fifteen. Found the place easy. Walked in, and I was out by about seven. So thirty minute appointment. Boom, done out. You know, it's just that she's a teammate of mine from back in 2000. We started being teammates in 2015. She went to a couple of my, actually more than a couple uh, of my uh, family dinners that I was hosting at Mr. Frowley's house in Gainesville. So she was there for those. So we got to know each other rather well. Um, I videotaped, I video did a, was a videographer on her photo shoot. Um, her boyfriend, Evan, was there too. Um he was just trying to make sure I didn't videotape her titties. So, good job, Evan. Because, hey, you know, you forget. Oops, I'm going to have to erase that. But, no, he. I met him. He's cool. and She's been always great. She's, she's super fun. I videotaped her way back in the day. I was there when she won her pro card for the Natural Leagues. And now she's got this, ex, this, this small business. And I always love supporting people's little dreams, their small businesses and things like that. You know, they start like an idea and then they got to go through the motions and then you're like, hey, I'll help you out however you can. You support those people because that's the mean, that's where the meaning of life comes from is to start your own thing, to undertake your own uh, challenges and, and dreams, you know, and she's not like a, it's not like she's a person who needs money, but she's definitely a person who's seeking out some type of meaning in her own odd way. Um, she's a diva at heart, but she's definitely looking for meaning in her own way. So to, to literally see that she's starting a business and it's like, cool, she has no technology, she has no technology experience, but she is definitely a, a, con- uh, what do you call it? A con- committed, a committed worker. And she definitely wanted to start her own business and she had a knack for something and she dove in, you know, head first with it and to watch her grow and to look at it and go, okay, that's good. That's good. That part's not going to be an improvement. Well, she's going to have me help her with that. And great, you just kind of watch these people start their small businesses. And if you can't help them, just admire their work and how well they're doing and maybe be inspired by them or take example from them. Not necessarily inspiration, but example from them to maybe do your own thing. And now she's uh, contracted to do uh, competitive fitness events around the area that I live in. And she's also possibly, I believe she's doing some stuff down in uh, Miami, Florida, where they do a lot of competitions as well. So that's great because now she gets to travel. Family and loved ones get to go with her too because it turns into a big thing because Miami's cool. 
I love this. I, you know me. I love East Coast Florida. Is it East Coast? East Coast Florida. And now she gets to go down there, spray on some butter and stuff, and have a great time. Maybe get paid, have some sponsorships. She knows people down there. Uh, awesome. So thank you very much, Ryan, for for the for the free glow. And I look forward to doing some work with you down the road. This was it was a great gift. It really was. Uh, especially how quiet the the winter has been for me and the car the car tr- issue. You know. Um, it's definitely a little nice pick me up, especially coming into the springtime right now. And it's fucking cold out right now. And I'm in, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still shopping for convertibles right now. I haven't, I mean, I found two, the guy who I, I, there was a beautiful BMW 330. Difference between the 325 CI and the 330 CI is the two, the 325 has a 2.5 liter six cylinder engine, which produces about 180 horsepower. The 330 is a three-liter six-cylinder engine with all the same trick, all the same you know giblets and stuff on the inside, but it's got it produces like 225, 230 horsepower. Legitimate difference. Uh, but the guy wasn't even. It was Saturday. Saturday at a dealership. Okay, all dealerships should be open. This guy not only did he not even pick up, uh, open his doors. He just put up an away sign saying I'm out of here. He didn't even pick up his goddamn phone. The next week I went to, because um, I didn't want to jump the gun. I don't want to get something I truly don't want or don't like in the end. It's something I really have to be committed to liking and driving a lot of the time. Next weekend, in Massachusetts, Massachusetts is not a good place to buy cars, period. Okay, if you've ever been shopping around for cars and stuff like that, there are just certain states you need to stay away from. And one of them is the state of Massachusetts. The cars there suck. They're overpriced. Plus, they have sales taxes, and they have a bunch of small shops that try to sell cars too. And this one I went and saw. I mean, it was a. It would have been a really nice car, or it was a nice car at some point. Uh, but they didn't even bother to check for the fucking service records. They just left the service records in the glove compartment. And the first thing I did when I drove, test drove the car was I found a nice place to park somewhere where nobody would bother me. Pulled the service rec. Pulled the the owner's manual out, and right in there was a big stack of service records. Okay. Service records, $800, $700, $1,200, $1,000. I'm like, if they're, they're either screwing this dude or this car is a piece of shit. First of all, when I got in the car, it looked like a fucking burn victim exploded because there was this weird like residue on the panels next to the, uh, next to the windshield. Um, I don't know what the fuck that was all about. Um, so, and it, you had, the only way to like get it off is to, like scrape it with your fingernail. I don't know that that was weird, and then the door handle, the inside door handle where you go to push the door open, whatever. Uh, the arm handle—it's like an oh shit handle, but it's on the door. That wasn't even connected at one point. Just no, it was just wasn't connected to anything. He's like, "Oh, it's a bolt, and we gotta order it." And I'm like, "Oh great, here it comes." So that was that. Then also, and this is an—it was a sob. Two-tone black, uh, two-tone blonde on black interior. Great interior. Outside was great, but it's wedged, not parked between. Wedged. When I get there, it's wedged between two other cars. It's wedged between a, a nice Saab 9.3 and a nice uh, Jaguar XJ. Jaguar. Jaguar XJ. You know, the full-size four-door Jaguar with the big V8 in it. Just wedged between them. And the snow on each side, too. Hard snow because it was cold out. So when you drive over it, it's like... And it scrapes up your bumper and shit. 
So it's like, oh, great. Um, so a lot of red flags there. Oh, and the fucking battery was dead. Two. Battery was dead. So the battery was dead. And the when we go to, they go to uh, pop the hood, the hydraulic shock that keeps the hood up, one of them, that thing was all fucked up. We pull the car out. The entire bottom fender uh, is all chipped up and stuff. Easily noticeable on a black car. So that has to be painted over. So I'm like, okay, this is great. All right. Um, and, and then the interior of the roof there, it's a double layered on these, on the Saab 93, which is a beautiful car. And it was a six cylinder, three liter, six cylinder with a turbo that pumps out around 250 horsepower faster than the BMW. But the interior has a double roof. There's an, a, a bottom piece, like a nice cloth piece that covers up the mechanics of the roof. That thing was all stained to hell. And then there was a light out and I was just like, and if this thing had like, 70,000 miles on it. It was a two-owner car. The thing was beat to shit, though. I was... I So, been shopping for cars. has been mightily, mightily disappointing, I have to say. But, I'm taking my time, and I'm not gonna... I'm not, I'm not going to rush... Like I said, I'm not gonna rush into a car I don't like. Something will come up. I mean, if I have to go a little bit more or a higher mileage or something just to find that find that right car great um because i want something i can pay off quickly and then either get a second car or sell that and go get something else it really depends on the scenario but i don't want to put myself in another shitty scenario like i did last time where they only covered half of the car after the hit and run and i'm stuck there just paying that off i mean i paid it off like instantly so but i've been doing that um but yeah the i mean the freebies still keep coming I mean, first of all, yes, the Golden Standard spray spray tan. That freebie's been awesome. Uh, Mr. Monotone was here uh, last week. He dropped off a 55-inch flat screen, uh, but he said there was a problem with it. The TV, the technician that he had check it out said that there it needed a new logic board. I'm like, all right, it needs a new logic board. So it just all of a sudden disappeared like that. So the TV turns on and it just has the no signal thing. So when you plug in an HDMI or you plug in any cord to it, it just reads no signal. So I had this giant 55 inch flat screen here. And first of all, I don't even watch TV. I have another, t- I, I, I mean, I do, I'm, I'm in the studio room, but I have this Dell XPS all in one that I basically turned into a giant Roku and I watch all my, I review all the movies on there. And then I have, but I have in the other, in the other room, there's a, there's a, another TV that I, I don't even touch. It's just connected to one of my many computers that I almost never use. So I've turned that into a Roku in a room that I don't watch any TV on. So I'm like, okay, well now I'm going to have another TV that quite possibly doesn't work at all, but I'm going to investigate the issue because I fix everything. So we go and... I should have turned that light on. Should I turn that light on? I'll leave it off. So we bring it in. I check it out later. I, I, I deem the same problem that he had, that no no signal. Okay. I go on YouTube, like I always do. Go on YouTube. Tells you to pull the back panel off. The, the first assumed diagnosis is this little control. The kid really points out the problem. Any fucking idiot could have pointed out. Any uh, technician could have pointed this out. Of what the issue was, you just could have gone on YouTube, looked up the mo- the name, the brand name, and the model, 
gone on YouTube and somebody has already identified the problem and you could have fixed it or temporarily remedied it for free. For free. So basically, here's what happens. There's there's a, a board. It's called a logic board. It connects all of your audio and video and cable and HDMI, all the sources that get plugged into the TV, goes to this one board. And this board is underneath a big metal panel on the back of the TV. So all I did was place the panel on top of a flat, safe, cushy surface, okay, with the back of the TV facing up. And I unscrewed all, it was about, I don't know, 12 screws. That's what she said. And I just put, and all of a sudden, poop, the panel just comes right off. The stand pops right off. And then I just went and I, and, and all the, all the boards that controlled the TV were right there in front of me, every single board. And it, and I could clearly see and could also clearly unscrew and replace the logic board. It was right there. So within 15 minutes, I could really, I could literally change out that board, pop a new one in and have a brand new TV. Now, how much would it cost me to do that? You might ask. It could cost me around between 60 and a hundred dollars to change that board out. Now it is a 55 inch, uh, fully HD TV, but the way TVs are priced out now, you can go and get a full HD 4k ultra HD 4k TV for around $300. Three to four hundred dollars, easily, easily. So, is there risk to doing it? Some, but they explained it perfectly on YouTube. They said all you have to do, because it looks like one of their, because it's a tiny little chip. A all these plugs are going into this tiny little chip. The chip is about the size. Excuse me. Excuse me. It's the size of my thumbnail. That's how big the chip is. And one of the, the soldered connections apparently has gone astray. It's not burnt out. It's just not making that true connection. So this TV is not actually receiving the entire signal. Therefore, it just defaults to no signal. They say if you take a, uh, a blow dryer or a heat gun to it, it should reset the connection temporarily so you can identify if it is indeed the problem. So the guy takes a blow dryer to it or a heat gun, and then voila, voila, the TV instantly turns back on and, well, not instantly, you turn it, you pl plug everything back in and you turn it on and then the signal comes back. So, and guess what? I tried the same thing with, uh, I used my, my, my Sony alpha camera, plugged it into there and boom, instantly got a signal. But I didn't use a blow dryer. I had a full blown heat gun that I use for shrink wrapping uh, for another company that I have. Use that plug the TV in, good to go. Now they say that eventually, or once the connection gets cold again, that the problem will keep reoccurring. I started, I did this earlier this week and I've tested the TV every single day since the connection has gotten cold. And lo and behold, the thing has gone on and it's turned on every single time and I haven't had any issues. So I literally turn it on and the connection is still there. It's still true and it's still vivid as ever. And just to be safe, what I did was, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to, because this is a TV that I got for free, it's freaking massive, I don't want to have to unscrew, I don't know if this was a smart idea or not, but I went ahead and did it anyways, uh, I didn't want to have to keep, if this was to happen again, I didn't want to have to unscrew the panel again if I had to replace the logic board. 
So I'm like, I actually want to cut a hole in the back of the TV. And so if this if this actually does happen again, I do decide to replace the logic board. I can just r- reach in, pull the plugs and unscrew the logic board and yank it right out and pop the new one in. I'm like, well, the question is, how am I going to get? How am I going to cut a hole in a fucking piece of metal? Okay. So I'm like, hmm. So I went into the basement and I found a pair of branch cutters. I think they're branch cutters or wire cutters. I have no idea. And while the the p the back piece was disconnected from the TV, I just started clamping down and literally just tearing this fucking back of the TV to pieces. And it looks like a a wolf just tried to bite through it or a shark or something. And now you can see the entire logic board. If you look in the back of the TV, you can see the entire logic board on the outside of the, of the television. Um. So I mean, I don't know if it's overexposed or not, but I can just like cover it up with like tape or something. But TV looks great. It's all cleaned up. It's beautiful. It works perfectly. It's in full HD. If I need it, I can do presentations with it. I can attach a wireless keyboard and mouse to it. So I can go surfing USA on the internet on a 55 inch. If I want to edit video, if I'm editing video on the fly and I'm using my phone, I can connect the the adapter from there to the television and boom, I can sit down and edit in full view on the using my on the go app. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. For free. See what you can do with shit for free? So, um, yeah, I mean, that was my thoughts on that. So, I, I just, right now, it's just, it's sitting in another room attached to a laptop. And right now, I'm just running diagnosis on it every single day, just turning it on. Yep, yep, still works every time. Mm. So, if you want to, uh, uh, if you want to, if you really, really want, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. It's in the contact section. Just hit the donate button there. There's a PayPal button and, of course, the actual donation button. Either to, either one. It's up to you, whichever one you feel comfortable with. The donation button goes straight to me. The other one goes through PayPal. But there are options there. So if you do want to do that, I really appreciate it. You can check out. There's an article archive section. There's my YouTube section. Uh... There's the podcast, of course. Those are downloadable through iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music. And, of course, you can always go to download positivesarcasm.com and you can just download it directly from there. Or you can stream it from there, too. You know, I try to make it as convenient as possible. Okay, let's see. So we talked about the spray tanning stuff. Results! She told me I need to use exfoliant gloves, but I just used a little scrunchie. That worked perfectly fine. She says I have great skin. Great skin. We talked about convertible shopping. I will get something. Guarantee it. I mean, I almost bought a banana yellow Pontiac Solstice with like 50K on it. That thing would be sweet. But it's a two-seater and it's a manual roof, which is stupid. Why a manual roof? For God's sakes. But yeah, two-seater, that's going to be a little difficult. Um, Diabetes training, and eh, we're not going to talk about that. I don't want to get into... Too much health and wellness right now. Although I am feeling pretty good after the uh, tan. I don't feel like a fat piece of shit, but I definitely got to lose, a, uh, I'd say, about 10 pounds to get legit shredded. But I get up so goddamn early. I get up at 4 a.m. It's like, ooh. So, uh, I mean, health-wise, I'm like, food-wise, everything like that, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing really, really well. But I do want to start um, cutting down safely uh, some of this excess fat. But I do feel good. I'm actually still very strong. I'm getting good. I'm getting good. Much better sleep, and uh, 
Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the spring because I want to start shooting more YouTube videos because I've been out of commission for quite some time. So I really want to start doing more of that. Okay. So, uh, okay. There were a couple... Do I want to talk about the Serena Williams thing? I don't know if I want to. Nah, fuck it. Let's not talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. I said something on Twitter about Serena Williams, uh, her her Nike ad, but I was like, you know what? She just needs to either, she just needs to either thank her dad and or shut the fuck up. So, but yeah, I'm gonna leave that alone. There is no drone news this weekend, so I'm not gonna go into any drone coverage. But I do want to talk about a few, uh, two movies and one documentary that I saw this weekend. And of course, I want to address the Captain Marvel situation. Well, it's not a situation. We got a situation. Captain Marvel uh, thoughts, I guess we'll call it. Um, we'll go with that. Let me get another sip of coffee here. Mm. Feeling pretty good. Okay. Let's start off with something light. Let's start off with... <laughs> Back in like 1996, I think it was, uh, Robin Williams did a movie called Jumanji. Which was actually a pretty f- good movie for back in the day. That was actually a good movie. It was light. Had s- it had some serious tones because of the fact that Robin Williams is in it. Because Robin Williams overall is a very intense actor. Robin Williams was in it. Uh, I don't remember the actual younger younger actors, but it took pa- took place in I think it was the town of Derry. I'm not sure. But anyways, whatever. So the idea of Jumanji is it's a board game that people open and. The things in the actual things that happen in the game come to life. Okay. Like, for example, he's playing the game when he was a kid and he rolls a dice and a thing pops up in the middle of the, uh, in the middle, in the middle, and everything's a riddle. And then you have to kind of push through the game to win before the riddles will basically kill you. So he rolls the dice and it says, In the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight. So what happens is, is the jungle steals him away from his would-be girlfriend at the time and he disappears for like 30 years. And then it starts out and then it, the, the movie Trance goes to the future, you know, present day or whatever you want to call it. And they start playing the game. These kids who find the game uh, start playing it as well. And one of the kids rolls five and eight. And then a lion comes out of the woodwork and in the middle of the house and tries to attack them. And then Robin Williams shows up again because he was in the jungle. See, see, see what I'm getting at here? See what I'm getting, you know, kind of plays in. So uh, they can't continue to play because it's still his turn. So they get him to eventually start playing and then they go towards it and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the, mo- at the, end of the movie, they take the, they take the board. They take the board game. They actually like throw it in the ocean, basically. And the, o- and the, and the board actually, when it gets, m- when the players finish the game and they get rid of the game, it starts to make this like, uh, you know, jungle drum music basically, and it, it just disappears. Well, this one, this one takes place later on. This is actually a sequel. This is a two thousand set. This two thousand seventeen one is actually a sequel, which I like that they actually didn't, you know, do away with the first one. They took they, the first one was actually a, a cultural and uh, monetary. It was a financial success too, and the acting was good too. So. This one takes place right after that. They find it on the beach. Somebody goes in. You know, same plot line. The only difference is all the kids, uh, instead of getting the game coming to them, 
they go into the game and they become characters in the game. Only the game doesn't become a board game. The game gets, how you say, updated to like an Atari game. It gets updated to like a an actual video game. And that's how it lures its player. So they plays it. They all get sucked in. They all become certain characters. One character becomes Jack Black. Another character becomes Karen Gillan. Another character becomes Kevin Hart. And the main character becomes Dwayne Johnson. Or Dwayne Johnson's paycheck is what I like, is what I like to call it. That dude is raking in so much fucking cash. He has to because steroids are expensive. So they're romping through the jungle. They have three lives each. It shows like little Dodge Ram uh, 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 stripes on their wrists. And they got to win the game against a tyrannical, you know, weirdo possessed psychopath and reach the top of the Panther and scream Jumanji with the special gem uh, before they lose all their lives. Nick Jonas shows up halfway through the movie, looking cute as ever. He's so gorgeous. And through there, the plot ensues. The Karen Gillan chick, I think that's who she is. She's really cool. I don't even know who she is. Okay, I'll be perfectly honest. I had to go and research her. I don't know what fucking Gilmore Girls show, TV show she's from. I don't want to wait. But she's pretty cool. Her char- All the characters have certain strengths and weaknesses, and they go through the movie like that. But the characters are actually aware that they are in the video game. They don't get transformed. They know, like, Dwayne Johnson is still the dork from outside, but he all of a sudden has, like, jacked arms and a bald head and stuff. So they go through the game. Uh, as far as the plot, as far as the plot goes, plot's pretty simple. It's light. You don't take it too seriously. The laughs, they are they're not few and far between. The laughs are fun. Kevin Hart keeps the energy going. Dwayne Johnson definitely has a, a a light sense of humor, and of course, Jack Black's in it as well. And Jack Black can pretty much play any character. This is the guy who did Tropic Thunder. He did this movie. He's of he's of course Tenacious D. He and he was in that movie Nacho Libre, which I secretly like. Um, like Toto. Actually, I don't secretly like Toto. I fucking love Toto. Um, so, so Jack. I mean, great cast. First of all, and I don't. I mean, they, first of all, they probably took that that those three characters right there, with the exception of Karen Gillan. I'm pretty sure that was the bulk of uh, the production budget right there was paying those three guys. Okay, Kevin Hart's not cheap. Jack Black, eh, not that expensive, but Dwayne Johnson is definitely. Um, yeah, there's the production budget right there. Getting Dwayne Johnson. Financial uh, box office success, cultural success, fun movie. You like all the characters. You don't hate the characters. The action's believable. The special effects are fun. Overall, just actually a really a good romp movie. A little more fun, more exciting, uh, more laughs than the original. Great, it was a good movie. You know, it wasn't groundbreaking by any means, but definitely a fun movie overall. And I I actually was putting it off. Sometimes I like to put movies off. It's like, eh, I don't know why I put this movie off. This is one I should have easily got out of the way uh, as a three to, as a three out of five star movie where it was it's a solid popcorn flick. It's fun to you know, it's a great next Netflix and chiller. It's good for the kids. Uh, in in many ways, shape, or form, way better than the Terminator. Uh, Terminator, <laughs> way better than the Transformer franchise is gone because the Transformer franchise now it just it's just bad. Although I do want to see the new Bumblebee because I heard the new Bumblebee is fantastic. So three stars, love the characters, great acting for as, as much acting as you really needed from this movie. Nick Jonas is actually not a bad actor. 
At least in this movie, he's not. He's not a bad actor. But you want to check it out. It's available on Amazon Prime. I know that right now. So you definitely want to check that out. So three stars, Jumanji 2017. Or Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, as it's called. But it's Jumanji 2, basically. Okay. All right. Yeah? Okay. Okay. 2007's No Country for Old Men. I know it was Oscar week, and I didn't watch the Oscars because the Oscars don't matter. Okay. I want to get this out of the way right now. I did watch a movie that was like Oscar worth, as they say, was Oscar worthy back in the day. That's why I watched No Country for Old Men. I want, sometimes you have to be in the right time and place and mind to want to watch a movie like something like this. Because from what I understand, it's a very intense movie. It's dark. Uh, it's graphic. But I wanted to be like, all right, well, it's Oscar week. Let me watch an Oscar, an, an Oscar-ish movie. Nobody gives a shit about the Oscars. I don't care about the Oscars. The Oscars is all social justice inclusivity getting on your fucking high horse bullshit it's completely it's completely pointless nobody cares they don't even have they didn't even have a host this year not that would have mattered okay one guy showed up in a one guy showed up in a fucking dress all right he looked like an idiot and except with the exception of course the whole you know lady gaga and um and freaking Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy uh, singing that song together, Bradley Cooper. And uh, with the exception, I saw it because everybody was talking about that. Um, I don't care. They don't. It does. It means nothing. It really does. It's. It is so culturally political. It's completely pointless to watch it. There's nothing. There's no reason to watch it anymore. There's nothing really to root for. It really is quite annoying. So you just kind of skip it because uh, sleep is more important. But I had time, wanted to watch an Oscarist movie, so I watched No Country for Old Men. That stars Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, eh, who was a villain in, he was the, the the villain in Skyfall. And, of course, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, if you don't know who Josh Brolin is, he's Thanos. He's Thanos from from the Avengers, uh, Infinity War. He's the one who killed half of, her, half of all living things. Uh, good for you, Thanos. Good for you. The way things are going in the Marvel comic universe, I might just stop right there and be like, all right, well, that's 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 good enough for me. I'll take my losses and scram. But I went ahead and let's see. Actually, let me just pour a little bit more coffee. Finish this off the right way. There we go. Okay. So let's see. It was no Country for Old Men, 2007. Tommy Lee Jones, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem. Basically, about a um, the the tagline was "There are no clean getaway getaways." Um, I could argue that. For the fact is, is that okay? Basically, the the movie is in the beginning. They're in the middle of you know border of Texas of, of Texas and Mexico. A drug bus, uh, a drug deal goes wrong. Everybody kills each other. Josh Brolin is a hunter. Okay, he goes to shoot some animal, only clips the animal, and as he as he's going to walk to see if he can find the animal, he sees a bunch of dead Mexicans uh, out in the middle of the road. Out, not in the middle of the road, but out in the middle of the desert. He goes, looks around. One dude's kind of alive, but kind of not. All right, he, he keeps repeating that he wants water, and he's like, I ain't got no water, chief. And notices in the back of the truck that the dude was shot in, Basically, that he's got a shitload of drugs in the back. But he also finds a big bag full of cash. Okay? Big bag full of cash. Nobody's there. 
The guy that got away died behind a tree, so there's nobody there. All he has to do is take the bag, swap it out with another bag, because if you have about two or so million, I think it was about $2 million that was in the bag, generally you have a tracker on something like that. It's really easy to put a tracker on something like that. But this movie took place back in like the 70s. So trackers were very different. But in this movie, there is a tracker. And maybe because What's-His-Face didn't know that. I don't know if he knew that. I don't know what things were like in the 70s when it comes to trackers. He stumbles upon this, this drug thing gone wrong, sees a bag of cash, grabs it, drives away. And then in the middle of the night as he's sleeping, he just decides that... He's going to go back and give the guy who asked for water, water. So he goes back there with a big jug of water. And as he's doing it, he notices that the dude just basically got his... Somebody went back and finished the job on him. I'm like, okay. All he had to do was change out the bag, get rid of the transponder, and, and never go back. And that's it. Roll credits the end. And this is where the Coen brothers piss me off every single time. He goes back with the big jug of water. His truck is right up on the hill. You know if there's a bunch of dead Mexican dudes with drugs all over the place, all dead, with two million in cash, you know somebody else is going to show up. Why would you go back? Why would you go back? Why, Josh Brolin? Would you go back? So he goes back. They see his truck. They flatten the tires. Now they have the now they've ID'd his truck. Okay? So now they ID'd his truck. That means they know you're down there. They know you're down there, so they're gonna go after you. Okay? Which means you're now stuck in the desert with a flat truck and a bunch of Mexicans shooting at you. Great. Nice job, stupid. So he goes back there, finds his way out, I forget how, makes his way out of there. And they also, because they're ruthless killers and drug dealers, they've also hired a border, a complete psychopath. Okay, this is where Javier Bardem's character comes in. This guy walks around with an air compressor, and and and, and basically, it's like a what do you say? If if you ever go to a slaughterhouse, they use this th- this little gun that shoots a a pellet, not a pellet. It shoots like this metal bar out. And then it pops back into the tube. And it's done by compressed air. But it's not a bullet. It, it's like a bullet that's attached to the thing. It goes in at a hyper speed, punctures the skin, and then comes back out. He's walking around with the damn thing, putting it between people's fucking eye sockets. And in the beginning of the movie, starts off with him strangling a cop. So obviously you know right away this guy is completely out of his mind. So he inserts himself into the movie like that. He's been hired by the drug cartels to seek out who's going to find the bag. So he goes, finds out, he looks at the truck because the truck's got flat tires, so he can't drive it. So he pulls the VIN identification off of the freaking truck, and now he's hunting down this dude. They give him a frequency identifier to find the bag because the bag has got the transponder in it. And all he has to do is drive into the nearest town. Drives into the nearest town. Frequency finder starts going off. And then that's the chase. With freaking, and that's where the chase with Javier Bardem's character and Josh Brolin's character starts off. And he didn't get the fucking hint. He didn't get the hint until like literally almost the entire movie was over 
that there was something in the bag. Didn't change out the bag at all. Didn't do anything. Just dumb. Just completely dumb. In the meantime, Tommy Lee Jones's character is just like, just this local town sheriff, you know, and he was kind of into it. He drove like two towns over to like talk to the wife. Where's, you know, and he's getting all involved and he's on his way to retirement. And then just towards the end, when all the characters are dead and Javier Bardem's character basically gets away. Let's face it, this movie's like 12 years old, okay? The jig's up. He just says, he, instead of going to protect the, the, the wife who Josh Brolin put in imminent danger because this serial killer does not care. He's not a serial killer, but he is kind of a serial killer. But he's a full-blown cold-blooded killer either way. He's just getting paid to do it. He kills off every single character, basically. But instead of Tom Lee Jones going and protecting who he knows is the next target, he just says, ah, fuck it, I'm retired. He knows she's next. He knows she's going to get wiped out. But instead of protecting her, he just says, eh, I'm retired. I'm going to go have breakfast with my wife. Why? What? I, I, don't, I don't get that. Now, was it a good movie? The, first of all, the characters were great. The Coen brothers always do this to me, though. It pisses me off. They did this with True Grit. They did this with Fargo. They did it with the Lady Killers. Uh, they, do it with Bur- they did it with Burn After Reading. They do it with all these movies. Yeah, True Grit definitely was a perfect example, actually. It's a perfect example. Great characters, interesting characters, original characters, even though True Grit was a remake. But still, follow me on that. All these great characters, legit characters, and especially in this movie, a true lesson in evil. Javier Bardem knows how to play an evil character. Okay? And this character definitely was off his rocker. No doubt about it. But it's a complete plot hole. Number one, who the fuck would go back to water a Mexican who's almost dead? Okay, he doesn't have to be Mexican, but he was Mexican, so why leave it out of the story? Why would you go back to water a Mexican that's almost dead? Or any guy, for that matter. Or any person. Dude's almost dead. He's not gonna live. Fuck him. You get $2 million, that dude's gonna get his head blown off. Just leave. You've already got a hard enough task on the mere fact that you've got $2 million in cash that doesn't belong to you. First of all, how the fuck are you going to declare it? How are you going to hide it? And what are you going to spend it on without getting audited? If you spend more than $10,000 on a car, you have to sign it and you pay cash, you have to sign a paperwork, a piece of paperwork that goes to the IRS. That's why you buy a car for $99.95. So, you already have that challenge ahead of you. But instead of ten thousand dollars he's got two million but you're gonna go back you're gonna take two million dollars but now all of a sudden you have a conscious you're gonna go back and give that guy water okay that's problem number one from the coen brothers okay that's strike one all right strike two is woody harrelson's character woody harrelson's character is like a bounty hunter hunter in this movie okay he knows just how dangerous this character is and he's walking nonchalantly, nonchalantly, with no backup, no support, just his stupid hat, easily identifiable, walking along across the Mexican border, back and forth, not checking his room, his gun, I don't even know if he has a gun, just kind of walking back and forth. But he knows how evil this guy is. He knows his name, he knows this, this, this Javier Bardem's character back and forth, up and down, his whole name and everything. And just ends up getting killed immediately. 
he just kind of nonchalantly relays this information to Josh Brolin's character. Like, just, yeah, yeah, he's pretty bad. I don't really think you know how bad he is. Uh, he's pretty fucking bad. The dude's a serial killer. He choked out a cop. Okay, he's killing people on the side of the road with with a fucking coin flip and a a um a slaughterhouse gun. So why don't you do more to protect these people? Just as giving off giving off these nonchalant warnings. Okay, that's strike two. Woody Harrelson's character just being this, you know, kind of throw him in there at the spur of the moment. And then this dude walks this dude walks right into an a building where ah uh, the guy that Woody Harrelson talking to office space guy was basically just sitting there this dude walks in with a with a big fucking gun and just wipes this dude out right there and then just leaves okay the dude's a fuck like the dude's a ghost okay you're gonna be walking around in texas of all places okay the number one gun state in in the right to bear arms state in the u.s and you're just gonna walk into an office building and start shooting okay all right let's strike two and a half and then on top of all that, this guy just walks into the place where the widow, Josh Brolin's uh, wife, is just coming home from a funeral. And instead of Tommy Lee Jones's character, the sheriff, protecting her, he just says, fuck it, I'm retired. And talks about a dream he had. And that's it. And this girl basically just gets her life taken from her, from a husband who basically hung her out to dry. And by a sheriff who just decided, I think I'm going to hang up my star. It just ain't cut out for me anymore. Oh, fuck that, bitch. You know, I, you, you went out of your way to talk to her, investigate the situation, promise that you'd take care of her, that would nothing would happen to her. And you were within two inches of a busted door from the actual perpetrator. And then you just said, eh, I'm retired. And that's how the movie ends. Plot holes galore in this movie for me. In, for me. Now, the reason I'm giving it three stars is because obviously there's some, there must be something I'm missing. There must be some metaphor behind it. I don't know what it is. As far as the characters, the characters are great, for sure. But just like any other Coen Brothers movie, especially like True Grit, okay, you just feel, you leave with a salty taste in your mouth, like there could have been something more done. But instead of somebody winning out, everybody loses, including the viewer. And it's, it's awfully disappointing. As far as I'm concerned, this is not a this is not a groundbreaking movie, in my opinion. The characters are great, but anybody can make great characters. I think as long as you get good enough actors, that's a broad statement. But it just didn't work for me at all. As far as the whole way the movie kind of just tilted at the end, so I'm like, all right, well, that's the end of that. And there was so many other plot lines with random violence. It just didn't. I didn't. It just didn't line up. There was just too much uh, strategic misalignment of how the characters acted at times that it just kind of fell by the wayside. I don't know what the Coen brothers were doing. I mean, the Coen brothers started off with you know strong movies like Raising Arizona and then Fargo, but then Burn After Reading was interesting, but unappealing. Interesting, but you know, not, that's it. Just interesting, beyond interesting. I don't think they did Manisteric. Did they do Manisteric Codes? I don't think they did. But they just I don't know. It's just not working for me. True Grit annoyed me. And this movie justifies my annoyance with True Grit. So three stars. I don't want to complain about it any more than I have to. No Country for Old Men, 2007, three stars. Nothing more than that.
Really, nothing more than that. Um, I didn't. There was no movies that blew me away this weekend. Okay, I decided that finally we get a chance to catch something recent, which was the Fire Festival documentary. Fire Festival documentary 2019. There were two versions of it. There was the Hulu version uh, called Fire Fraud, and there was the Fire Festival What Happened version on Netflix. I just I was watching, uh, I was watching the Fire Festival version on Netflix. This one was produced and co-produced by Jerry Media. Oops. Who's calling me? Get lost. Leave a voicemail. Leave a message at the fuck you. And basically, Fire Festival was by owner Billy McFarland. Billy McFarland was the creator of a credit card company called Magnesis. It was a credit card company with apparently a lot of perks to, like, areas in the New York area. You know, uh, access to nightclubs, special coupons and codes and, you know, and... Uh, concerts and front row tickets and just all kinds of pie-in-the-sky bullshit that apparently was not even true. Plus a $250 a year annual fee to actually be in possession of this metal card. You know, it was a credit card, but at the end of the day, it wasn't... There was a lot of... There was a lot of... uh, You know, all bark, no bite with this credit card. There was a lot of fraudulent stuff with it. There was actually a lot of reports on, like... Better Business, it was reported to the Better Business Bureau. It was on Yelp, but this card was not living up to its expectations. And Billy McFarlane was definitely a great salesman. Because, it, well, it's easy to be a great salesman when you're a flat-out liar. Okay? But he was using, he had a lot of investors that he was talking up to. And they were loaning him shitloads of cash. And I mean shitloads of cash, like millions of dollars. And he was just using it to party, drive around in Maseratis. So Billy McFarlane was an odd entrepreneur who was on, like, Fox News, I believe. And he decided, so he's going to make a bigger version of, with Magnesis, he, was, he needed funding for a festival down in the Bahamas. So what he was going to do is he's going to get, like, uh, if you already don't, don't already, already know the story, this guy and a bunch of other people uh, with, a com- with a company called Fire, you know, ac- uh, acquiring talent through an app, which is actually a pretty interesting idea. They wanted to start, they wanted to host a big event, like a three or four day event down in the Bahamas. With acts like Blink-182, acts like Jaw Rule, several other acts. Get everybody down there. Give them luxury, you know, estates, luxury tents, luxury Airbnbs. Give them all kinds of interesting packages. And charge them shitloads of cash for all these things. So all this stuff he, ch- he, he had, he charged people for. But this is stuff that takes can take ye- months to prepare. Months to prepare. And if you're going to do it in a remote area, it take it can take years to prepare. Okay? Where are these people going to eat? Where are they going to sleep? What about bathroom accommodations? You have hundreds of people coming down, okay, to an area that was, first of all, he uh, was going to do it on a remote island that used to be owned by Pablo Escobar. And then it got switched to another location. The tents, these luxury tents, these luxury estates that people were promised were fucking FEMA tents, leftover FEMA tents from a hurricane earlier in the year. And he was just rake. He was just taking in all this investment money, and nothing was getting. Really, nothing was getting done. The place was a giant mess. There, and here's what's interesting. Obviously, as you know, the full fire festival thing turned out to be a giant flop. People were stuck on the island. They had no way of getting off until they could bring enough planes back to get the people off the island. We're talking hundreds of people were left there, and then the next thing you know. 
they, there was a huge a huge rainstorm tore the place to pieces people were stuck there they couldn't eat they couldn't eat they couldn't leave it was just a whole fucking mess you have to watch you have to watch uh it was an actually it was technically a humanitarian crisis because you had a bunch of people who couldn't go anywhere with no action of they had no access to food only booze but they had no place to sleep. There were no cars you could rent. There were no hotels to, you could you could book. There were no Airbnbs you could stay at. Eventually, they got everybody off the island. But Billy McFarlane was basically left to not pick up the pieces, but go to fucking jail. So, well, I learned about it originally from Jerry Media. Jerry Media is what used to be Fuck Jerry. Fuck Jerry is Elliot Tabuli. He's basically a meme master. He copies a bunch of memes. He posts them on this page on Instagram. He started on Tumblr, moved over to Instagram. And then him in Crispy Shorts, which is Jerry Olinger. Jerry Olinger is he's on Instagram as Crispy Shorts. Uh I'm I'm linked up with him on LinkedIn and on Instagram. Well not a, linked up. I follow him on Instagram. But he has he had a YouTube channel that I started following and I got a lot of inspiration from him. Now as far as Jerry Media goes, they got their own problems to deal with, but it, within their they this was their first year of actually doing business and starting up. They had Elliot Tabuli, they had Bean, they had uh, James Olinger, they had uh, Olinger, I think it's Olinger, uh, I want to do his name justice, and a bunch of other dudes. Um, they started this company, they were going to be a big advertising firm in the city in the city of New York, and within their first year, they were giving cash bonuses to all their employees. They moved several times into much larger buildings, and within their first, and they were definitely being aggressive in their marketing, you know, really wanted to become good, because... If you're going to have that many people, you got to get moving. You got to get moving fast. Um, so within their first year of doing biz, they got involved with Ja Rule and Billy McFarland of just doing the marketing and the advertising work through Instagram and through all their other social media platforms that they deem necessary. So they ran the marketing cap on that. But also at the same time, they weren't down in Bahamas overseeing the actual what was going on with how the fire festival was being built. Understandably so, because then they were their first year of, as a company, so they were really just aggressively trying to pursue not just this account, but other accounts in general, okay? Because they had money not... They couldn't invest all their time and all their money in this. They had other things going on. They were trying to work with Burger King. They were trying to open up new accounts. They were just trying to do all kinds of other stuff that a normal startup business would be doing. So I can understand from their point of view, not being, you know, not going down there. They didn't go down there until... Uh, they actually didn't really see what was going on, the shit show that was going on until literally the day before uh, everybody showed up. Okay. Uh, Crispy actually went down there the day before on a uh, on a flight. He had an Airbnb and stuff like that, and he was talking about how he couldn't even get a car to rent down there, apparently, at that time. It was the day before. So he goes he goes down there as Jerry with Jerry Media and a couple of the other guys from Jerry Media, all co-founders, of course, they're doing all this shit. In the meantime, this whole thing is going down and the whole thing blows up in in everyone's face. Was in in the, the Jerry Media because of the things that Elliot Tabuli was doing and then there um they had right now Jerry Media has their own issues. I don't I heard a little bit about it through Philip DeFranco. I kind of get it, but at the same time when it comes to so it was easy to lump Jerry Media as far as maybe being in, uh, partially responsible in some way for Fire Festival and all the, and how that. But no, no, absolutely not. They were just trying to do. They were the marketing team for it. That's it. Were they d- possibly deleting some of the comments um, from the actual Instagram page when it came to Fire Festival? 
Yeah, probably. They were probably just trying to save face and just trying to, you know. Either way, I don't want to give Jerry Media any shit for what happened for Fire Festival. Wasn't their responsibility. Their job was to manage the mar- the social media marketing and ha- answer questions and things like that. The smart thing that they did was when shit started really getting out of control, okay, and a lot of questions were coming up, uh, they and the questions weren't getting answered at all. They had no answers to give them. They copy and pasted all the questions and all the comments and sent them over to Jerry Media. And not to, to send them over to Fire, the team at Fire, and said, why aren't these questions getting asked? And anything like that. Because they wanted to cover their asses because they knew that something was going on. So Jerry Media was not responsible for anything that happened with Fire Festival, in my opinion, from what from the doc I've seen. Even though they produced the doc, okay, they produced the doc, and they were involved in heavily involved in the marketing. But that's this was not their responsibility. Maybe if they sent somebody, uh, if they had an oversight guy to go down there and check out and oversee uh, what how, how things were going. But the fact is they were in their first year. So they were just trying to aggressively get off the ground and get moving and become a profitable business. Maybe down the road, this was something that they could be looking into. But for the most part, Jerry Media, not responsible for anything that happened at Fire Festival. This was all squarely on the, on the, hand, on the shoulders of Billy McFarlane, a dude who had a bullshit credit card company, okay, that was scamming its, its, um, its consumers. And then apparently there's a Spin Magazine article. Uh, let me pull this up. I have it pulled up right here. From, from Spin Online by Anna Gaka. This was in September 29, 2017. Source says Fire Festival founder tried to sell him other businesses. Uh, the business mag- was Magnesis. Apparently this other site, which is called Flipra, is a they sell businesses like if you try to auction off your business and stuff like that which makes actually kind of makes it's kind of a cool idea um the source said that uh, he uh billy mcfarland was trying to you know quietly sell magnesis on this website okay for the tune of 150 grand the the actual sale fell apart and then he tried to relist it and then uh flippa found out some information Deleted the, uh, basically deleted the, you know, the sell, the sale, and then got rid of Billy McFarlane's account altogether once they, once they found out more information. So Billy McFarlane was really, he was, a, he was still trying to scam people when Fire Festival blew up in his face. And on top of it, let me get rid of this. There we go. On top of Fire Festival failing and him trying to sell the Magnesis business, he couldn't. Plus, he couldn't really be a CEO of another company, so he hired another dude to try to run like a scam business. On top of that, where he took all the accounts of the existing Magnesis account owners and the people who signed up for Fire Festival, and he had other dude, this particular dude, start cold calling um, these account owners, start cold calling these account owners. Ask, telling them about how they may get, uh, we have access to tickets to like a Beyonce concert, tickets to um, certain fashion shows and things like that. Shit that you can't get tickets to. You have to be spe- specially invited to. So just running all this other scam stuff, using people's uh, email accounts and phone numbers and things like that. Okay. That's ultra, that's ultra spam on another level. Okay. They investigated that on top of that. Billy McFarlane was already in legal trouble, as is with this situation. And 
what happened was, well, he ended up going to jail for it. He ended up going to jail. He lost pretty much everything. And in my, and yeah, he's a pathological bullshit artist. He was a complete fraud. He had a million dollar smile, you know, and he got exactly what he deserved for being a complete asshole to these people because they were spending thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. There were $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 packages that you could purchase for this fire festival. And he didn't hesitate to take any amount of money that anybody was giving him. There was one woman in the movie that gave him like a $3 million uh, investment for them for this thing. He was this thing was running towards around thirty million dollars currently. Thirty million dollars, and the thing just blew up. I don't think anybody got paid. Nobody on the island from Bahamas got paid. Okay, and I don't know what how responsible Jaw Rule is. I don't think Jaw Rule anybody's a big fan of Jaw Rule right now. But for Jaw Rule to be the primary face, with the exception of Billy Bath, be the primary face of your company. Uh, can you find somebody a little more up to date, a little more, I don't know, anyone at this point, vanilla ice, maybe, but tens of millions of dollars, no return. Nobody was paid on the Island. Then he tries to sell that company and just, it's just it's a shame. Now, as far as the documentary goes, it was a good documentary. I it was Jerry media's first attempt at filming a documentary. Um, my thoughts on it for the most part was it kind of, it was put to, it was put together well, but what's with all the fucking drone shots? Every, every time, every 10 seconds, drone shot, drone shot, drone shot, drone shot of New York, drone shot of the Bahamas, drone shot of New York, drone shot of the Bahamas, drone shot of Burning Man, drone shot of the Bahamas, drone shot back to New York, pick uh, video. And then all of a sudden. They prominently showed a couple people from the island and then one dude who was like the right-hand man to Billy McFarlane. He's the infamous uh, fully prepared to suck his dick uh, guy. You can go, if you just watch the Netflix special, it's actually it's actually good. But the drone shots is just, every 10 seconds, it's a different drone shot. Now, I you know me, I love drones and shit, but it was like, who are you fucking kidding? It's like, I get it. But there, I, I maybe it's just my keen eye on picture. I'm seeing this stuff all the time. But just way too many drone shots. Um, but and for the people that were like laughing, you know, the, the the white, you know, rich white kid joke being stranded on an island. Um, I get it, but at the same time, it was quickly becoming a humanitarian crisis. Okay, because it, I mean, like road rules, only no road and no rules and no airplanes and no way to get off the island and no food. No transportation. Okay. So, serious, serious issue at hand. I don't know. Uh, I have to double check and see how many years he's, he was sentenced for, but he ran a massive, massive, massive fraud. And he deserves all the shit Billy McFarlane does. Um, but if you want to go check out the Fire Festival one, it's on, it's on Netflix right now. It's pretty good. Uh, I give it three out of five stars. It's a good doc. In my opinion, one of the better docs I've seen was Indie Gamer. Indie Gamer was about it was about creators who create like independent games. One of the games uh, showcase was Super Meat Boy, um, which I was watching the other day on uh, a streaming channel on Twitch. But that's that one's really dramatic, really intense, 
And that's actually a really good doc. I gave that like four out of five stars, I think. That was a really good doc. But yeah, Fire Festival 2019, uh, check that out. Three out of five stars from me. So for No Country for Old Men, three stars, barely. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle for 2017, the sequel. Um, three stars, good movie, a lot of laughs. Fire Festival 2019, produced by Jerry Media, three out of five stars, good stuff. Easy in the drone shots, guys. Come on. Your interviews, although the interviews were good. I enjoyed all the interviews on there. Those are great. Uh, let's see, coming up on an hour and eight minutes, and I'm kind of dragging this a little bit long. Um, okay. So, yeah, I do I do watch a lot of movies. I am big in the MCU universe. I want to look this up, actually, because I want to know what... Oh, yeah, 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 that's what it was. Okay. So this Captain Marvel situation is getting interesting. If you don't know what the Captain Marvel situation is, I'll spell it out. Okay, we knew Captain Marvel was one of the characters in the new Marvel comic universe that's going to be coming out. It was it was well identified um, when the end of at the end of Infinity War in the post credits scene that a new character was coming. It was Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is a very powerful character that was created in 1961 by Stan Lee. Okay, Stan Lee, white male. He created all the characters. 1961, he created this character, okay? It's a chick who's who's super powerful, okay? Stronger than a lot of the characters you've seen on screen right now for Marvel Comics. So, 1961, this character is created. Now it's hitting the big screen for real, okay? Brie Larson was casted as Captain Marvel. Okay, fine. First trailer for Captain Marvel comes out. Okay, not not a great uh, not a great trailer, but I actually was pumped to see Captain Marvel. I was always looking forward to seeing her come on screen. I was, I really, really was. And then all of a sudden, she does. She has a comment. Uh, she does a press conference and stuff like that. And she goes, I, I I go to the press conference and I see an awful lot of white old white dudes. And then there are other comments that she's made about inclusivity and diversity and things like that. And I went, oh, no, please don't tell me this is happening again. And now it's de- diving into Marvel Comics. And now all this, she starts talking about, you know, she starts talking about white men and things like that. And you can go back and you can read all of her comments and everything she said. But now they're starting, it's starting to become a backlash on it because the trailers are not looking that good. The issue is that Marvel's owned by Disney. And that Kevin Fage, the pretty much the producer of all the Marvel comic universe, is stating that uh, the inclusivity thing is going to be more of a factor in Phase Four of Marvel Comics. First of all, I don't. First of all, I don't care. I don't care about any of this shit. I just want to see a good movie. That's all I care about. I just want to see good movies. All right. Don't preach to me about anything. Show me good movies. And all and all the movies in Marvel Comics have been really good so far. And I love all the characters. I love Vision. I love Black Widow. Uh, Scarlet Witch is fantastic and hyper powerful. Hyper hyper powerful character. Okay. I love all the Guardians of the Galaxy characters. Gamora was great. The girl with the ant with the little ant sensors on the top. She's awesome. I love her. Gamora's sister. She's the shit. All the main characters from the original Avengers. Those guys are great too. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes has been very sketchy from, like, the 2016 election. Um, they've become sort of like the fake news of uh, movie review sites. So all the top critics give Star Wars The Last Jedi a 90-something on Rotten Tomatoes. 
okay, which is very high. That's like super certified fresh. What now, the audience rating, 42%. Something's missing here. Something's off. Why would you have 92 by the main critics, or 90, about 91, 92, and 42 to 44? I don't get it. The critics, in generally, there, there should be some similarity to it there. And the problem with, with, with The Last Jedi was it was ultra preachy too with the same problems. Ultra preachy, social justice treating men like shit, their characters don't matter. And the movie, the movie, for the most part, was more of a flop than it was. A, I mean, yeah, did it make money? Yeah, it made a lot of money. But it was nowhere near how uh, any of the other Star Wars movies. I mean, the, uh, the first three... The Phantom Menace and so on. They sucked because they just were shitty movies. But this movie, The Last the Last Jedi, the Star Wars franchise is owned by Disney. So is Marvel Comics. I'm starting to see a trend here. And I didn't start to see it until this whole Captain Marvel situation. Where Rotten Tomatoes is, they're delaying the release of... Because generally, the reviews for Captain Marvel will start to be posted by two weeks before up to three weeks before the movie's actual release because they they take a lot of time to craft their movies to make sure they're really good same thing with black panther which was a good movie rotten tomatoes because of what happened was a lot of the trolls because of what brie larson was saying and the way the and the way the commercials were being skewed to look sort of social justice-y and it was starting to lean towards like the new Ghostbusters, the female Ghostbusters one. A lot of that was starting to come into play. Okay. You know how easy, if you really pay attention to a commercial or a movie, you can easily tell how it's being skewed for a certain audience or designed to put down a certain audience or if it's designed to preach to you in a certain way. This move, These commercials were doing it. The commercials weren't looking very good. And the way Brie Larson was treating, first of all, if you're going to say things like, uh, you know, things about white dudes and stuff like that. First of all, who the fuck reads comic books? White dudes. Okay? Who designed Captain Marvel? White dude. All right? Not saying anything other than that. Everybody reads, com- everybody reads comic books. Everybody can design anything. All we ask for is an honest act. First of all, we have other controversial actors in the MCU universe, okay? All right? Uh, Mark Ruffalo, who plays the Hulk. Okay? He's definitely got some social justice shit. Chris Evans, who plays Captain America. Same fucking thing. ScarJo. She's had some similar comments. And they're main players. Okay? But for her to say this, she could have been like, look, this is a big responsibility for me. I'm taking on a huge role as one of the more powerful characters. Be a little more humble. Don't say stupid shit like this because then you're going to get what happened just a few weeks ago is all these trolls online started and it's being reported incorrectly. You have a rating system, a want to see system, and a comment section. And what Rotten Tomatoes did was the the comic, the want to see section, you know, how many percentage of the population actually wants to see this, this movie. It dropped down to about 28% before... Rotten Tomatoes pulled it from their website. But comicbook.com, 
or comicbookreaction.com, whatever that was, and, and Hollywood Reporter, they were reporting it completely incorrectly. Like this was the actually audience reviews and people were negatively rating the movie before they even saw it. No, this was the want to see section on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. The, a site and Rotten Tomatoes is the site that that does not properly display the connection between the audience rating. Well, not display like they're not doing the movie ju- any justice. Like if the movie was bad, I don't know where they got the critics. The critics for the rot. I'm just I'm trying to roughly connect how the Last Jedi was portrayed and how Captain Marvel is being portrayed. If Captain Marvel is a good movie, then it's a good movie. But the way they're treating this and the way the marketing's being done and the social just attitude with Brie Larson as the main character, where, Br- listen, Brie, you're just another fucking blonde, you're just another dumb white blonde who could have been replaced by anybody. Anybody could have played your character. And first of all, you're getting paid several million dollars for, and you've already been signed on for several movies, okay? Whereas Robert Downey Jr. was paid 500 grand for the first movie. Steve Rogers, played by who's Captain America, was played by Chris Evans, paid 300 grand for the first Captain Marvel. Okay? That's 800 grand for the two main event, main Avengers. And you're getting paid several million dollars for your first stab at Captain, Amer- Captain Marvel. Okay? And you're supposed to be responsible for taking them to the next phase. You should be a little bit nicer, a little bit more appreciative of the people that come to your press conferences, no matter how doubtful they are. Anybody who shows up to the, see this movie... You should be thankful for because you're never going to get another opportunity like this again. All right. This preachy shit has got to stop because these troll attacks, I don't know whether, whether you agree with them or disagree with them. They're being, they're being incorrectly reported. And if this is the, and like I said before, if this is the direction that Captain Mark, that the MCU universe wants to take itself in, then it's going to be like, just like what I'm doing with Star Wars. I'm not going to go see it. Okay, people, at the end of the day, you're playing with other people's money. And if people don't want to go see this movie, they want the hassle of it, or they know it's not going to be a good movie, then why bother? We've already, we've already, they've already lost so much money with return, with the next Star Wars movie. What's going to happen with this movie coming out? And then literally 45 days later, the sequel to Avengers Infinity War coming out, Endgame. And it's... It's hard to explain to any first-time viewers how sensitive this topic is when it comes to how much the characters are loved. And then all of a sudden, this this chick's going to come in. And it could be any character. You know? If, it, if Captain Marvel was played by a dude and said the same shit, there'd be a problem. But it's because she's saying it with this character that is a, sen- that is a sensitive character... Okay, this is this character is ultra powerful. She's taking over the Captain Marvel. She's taking over the MCU. She's gonna be she's gonna be solely responsible, mainly responsible for taking this multi-billion-dollar enterprise and moving it into the next phase. A lot of the characters are either going to die in this movie, or they're going to be, or their their contracts are up. So everything's riding on her. This movie's riding on her. The director also female this is all riding on her this movie could have and she has to compare herself she's already got to compare herself to how wonder woman was wonder woman did very well that was a really good movie patty jenkins who is a well-established director 
Okay. She has several blockbuster hits, cult classics. This, there's, you don't want to be fucking this up. They should have treated this exactly like they did with the Black Panther. Okay. There was some cultural stuff issues with the Black Panther as far as stuff surrounding it. But within the actual movie, not that much. And it was actually a good flick. It was a gym, it was an enjoyable flick. And I've already talked about it. But Rotten Tomatoes is not legit with how they tra- with how they're treating the situation. They've said almost nothing about it. Um, their scoring system, obviously the critics that they're using, I don't they've never said anything about it. So they're not they're not being honest. I don't know whether I necessarily it's is it a troll attack? Is it not a troll attack? I'm not sure. It really depends on how it's being reported. And how it's being reported is completely incorrect. As if it's actually the ratings, it's not. It's how many people wanted to see it. 28%. Okay. So, and she's responsible. If she's responsible for for being the at the forefront of the new MCU universe, this multi-billion dollar franchise, then she should be a little smarter in the comments that she makes. That's just like anything else. If you are going to be solely responsible at the head of a franchise, like if you example, if you're if you happen to be Robert Downey Jr. and you happen to be Iron Man, who's basically the leader of the Avengers in many ways, or Chris Hemsworth, even the guys at the forefront of this franchise, you want to be smarter with the things you say. You don't want to cast out a certain gender of your market, you know, a certain segment of your population of your market. And, you know, if if Robert Downey Jr. walks up to the podium and says, you know what? There's way too many white girls here. Or There's way too many black girls here. First of all, probably not likely. And second of all, you say shit like that. It's fucking racist. Okay. Brie Larson hating on her on her own people. It's sexist and racist. It really is. Too many white dudes here. It's fucking racist. Is she right or wrong? I don't... Well, is she right in saying that, that there's too many? What does it matter? These people work there. They spend all their time covering movies, covering comic books. Maybe they're really diehard fans. They turn this into a career. What have you? Go and talk to each one of them. Why are you here? Hey, old white dude, why are you here? This is my life's passion. This is my life work. I review movies, and I'm also a huge comic book fan. And I also own, like... All the original comp Captain Marvels. I had the original one in cellophane up on the wall. I haven't touched it. It's completely flawless. I don't know. You get what I'm saying here? You're just going up there and saying a stupid comment like that. You know, I just noticed there's way too many white dudes here. I'd like more inclusivity. What the fuck does that mean? I don't even care about the latest comment. The comment she made about the all female Avengers. It's it's a throwaway line. It's a it's a, it's a Typical throwaway, uh, you know, she power line. I don't care about it. I don't have a com. I don't have a th- any thoughts on it. But this one that started it all off, I, you have to say you're responsible for a giant franchise. You know that you could have easily been replaced by anybody else. Sarah Chalk for the funny, or Amelia Clark for the strong. Amelia Clark would have been a great Captain Marvel. But then again, I don't know how this movie's going to turn out. I have no idea. There's a lot of people, early reviewers, that say this movie is is great, that it, it it takes the MCU in a whole new direction, things like that. But these are all early reviewers. I have no idea what the audience is going to say. But did I want to originally see this movie? Yeah, but now I just don't know. 
But it upsets me greatly because this movie is just before the new Endgame comes out. A movie I actually do want to see. A movie that I do want to spend money and go to the theaters to go see. I don't want to go to the theaters and be preached at, or nor do I want to think about politics or cultural things. I want to go to these movies to be to have my chest ripped out and to feel emotion and to feel you know excitement and adventure and comic book action and things like that. I don't want to have to deal with the real world and shit. I don't. You know, I want to get IMAXed till my fucking face explodes. Instead, I got to read shit like this, and it drives me nuts. This is why I don't watch sports anymore. One guy punches his, you know, one guy punches his girlfriend. Another dude throws his, his chick on top of guns. Felonies, drunk driving, uh, Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, all this money. Um, Roger Goodell getting paid forty bazillion dollars a fucking year. They they sign as a nonprofit. Their breast cancer awareness bullshit. How they p- make the military pay to actually show up. It's just like. This is why I don't watch the NFL anymore. I don't want to deal with this shit. I want to. I want enjoyment. I don't want to be preached to. And this is why this whole Captain Marvel thing has me annoyed. Because I believe me, this is, I really do want. I wanted Captain Marvel at its very core. You know, James Bond is a dude. Captain Marvel is a chick. Always has been. I don't. You know, why change the formula? She's she was coming. She was been there since 1961, since the comic books came out. We always knew she was super powerful. We always knew she'd be coming. We just couldn't wait to get her into the universe. And the minute we bring her in, this shit starts. Who's at fault? Well, I have no one here to really discuss it with, but I have an idea, and her name starts with Bree. So I don't know. I'm 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 annoyed, kind of disappointed. Now, the thing is, there's so many articles. I just want to kind of rough through it. There's so many articles to link it to, the things she said, the things she's done, the things she's talked about. And then, then of course, on top of it, the fact that the company's owned by Disney and maybe that had some influence in how shitty The Last Jedi is, a movie I have yet to really have a true argument with, with uh, Terracotta Polkin Productions with, and then the fact that the trailers haven't looked that good, and then the whole Rotten Tomatoes situation where it's being misreported about the rating system. It just it just seems like a giant shit show in waiting. And yes, as far as I'm concerned, after Avengers Endgame, I am probably most likely done with the Marvel Comic Universe because at the end of the day, it is just a movie. It is just a movie. And there are always other things you can do, always other movies you can watch and things you can turn your interest to. Because, yeah, I do talk about movies on this podcast a lot, but it could eventually shift into other things. It doesn't always have to be one thing. It can be part of it, a lot of it, or none of it. That's up to me. It's up to what I'm interested to talk about and the things, the questions that you guys want to ask me. You know? But there is a lot of information. There's a lot of things out there that I constantly have going on. Things I, I mean, there are other issues I wanted to discuss here and, and things like that. But... I, I just wanted to, you know, I'd be like, listen, if I talk about movies, I wanted to address this scenario where, you know, a character who plays one of the strongest characters in this franchise is saying some really stupid things that need to be addressed. And there's a lot of misreporting behind it. So I figured I'd just kind of throw my thoughts behind it. And then if something comes of it, great. If not, we'll see. But, um, 
I get, well, shit, we're at 127. Let me get out of here. Anyways, uh, my name is Jay. I'm, uh, I'm the owner and, and founder and, you know, main collaborator at PositiveSarcasm.com. You can find me on Twitter at POS Sarcasm, Instagram at Positive underscore Sarcasm, uh, Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. You can ask me questions there, comments, things like that. You can friend request me if you want. Uh, Twitch, I live stream this this boring thing uh, every week, uh, uh, generally on a Wednesday. Uh, it's uh, twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one. If you want to donate to my website and help me support all the little funding adventures I have, the new YouTube blog, hopefully coming out soon. Uh, that's YouTube. You can find me on YouTube at positive sarcasm. Um, you can go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate to support me. Very simple like that. Positivesarcasm.com slash donate. You want to email me questions or comments. Uh, you can go to positivesarcasm at outlook.com. You can email me that way, or you can just contact me through my website. Of course, that helps too. You can contact me in any way, shape or form, but you can find me through all the, the normal social media stuff, except for Snapchat. I only have money in Snapchat. I don't have an actual account there. Um, they, they went down today mm. about 40 cents. Oh no. But I expect them to go back up. Anyways, um, yeah, this one ran a little long because, well, whatever. It's just every week I got to get shit off my chest. But I do want to thank Golden Standard Spray Tans for the spray tan this week. Thank you for the butter. I really, really appreciate it. I look forward to working with you guys soon. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I want to thank you guys for watching, listening, supporting, subscribing, especially subscribing. You can subscribe to me through pretty much anywhere, anywhere, Google, iTunes, Stitcher, podcast addict or directly through my website so thank you guys for listening share with a friend comment rate review please on itunes and on google play and then if you have any questions you can hit me up anyways thank you guys on twitch who uh stopped in uh i will talk to you guys soon i'll finish the rest of my coffee and i got some errands to run thank you guys have a great evening this has been a positive sarcasm presentation <laughs>